This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 26, NaNoWriMo. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Howard. And I'm Dan. And there's only two of us. Because Brandon is a loser. On tour... (laughs) In airplanes. Yes. But enough of that. We are here. It's actually not just the two of us. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, plus two, plus producer Jordo. We're here at Dragon's Keep on a Tuesday night with the NaNoWriMo crew. Everybody shout hello. Hello! It's almost like a live studio audience. Dan, what are we doing here? We are talking about NaNoWriMo, as we have said. NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. And it is every November. And Howard, tell us a little more about what it is and why it's cool. NaNoWriMo is cool because it is an opportunity to share the experience of trying to write 50,000 words with 160,000 other people uh, worldwide via the NaNoWriMo website and via, uh, I'm going to call it a study group, although it's different than a study. What do you call your group? A writing group. A writing, oh, a writing I should have known group? that. It's a writing group. <laughs> well, we did a whole podcast on writing groups, and I couldn't come up with that word. Um, and <laughs> so during the course of the month, you attempt to write 50,000 words that are contiguous and consecutive and sensible and novelistic. Well, and at ideally, but they don't have to be. <laughs> Dan's writing a poem. Hey, I've, I've cheated a couple of times on NaNoWriMo, but that's okay. The, the main benefit in my mind of NaNoWriMo for those who want to become published authors is that it forces you to write quickly. And it forces you to turn off your internal editor, and it forces you to stop looking forward to the book you eventually are going to write and just shut up and write it. And I, I have found that I've done NaNoWriMo three times. It's been fantastically valuable to me as a writer. Awesome. So we are here with this uh, group of NaNoWriMo writers, and we've got questions for them. Uh, Jeff, let's, uh, let's start with your question. You had a fantastic question. I'm going to reach over here with my microphone so that people can hear you. Okay, what do you do when your character has to do something dumb, or your characters just do do something dumb? <laughs> characters who make dumb decisions. What do you do with that? Howard, what do you do with characters who make dumb decisions? It it, depends on the dumb decision. If it's a dumb decision coming from a dumb character, fantastic. It's in character. We move forward and we call it character driven and I'm happy. If it's a decision that had to be made in this way because that's what moves the plot forward, but the character should be smarter than this, then we're being plot driven instead of character driven. Well, plot driven in a bad way. Yeah. This is something that they call the idiot plot, and you'll see it a lot. It shows up especially in kind of low-rent uh, romantic comedies. You'll see it all the time. You where... just said that Jeff is writing a low-rent idiot plot. No, I didn't. You, it's... <laughs> it's a NaNoWriMo book. No, I didn't say that at all. <laughs> what I said is that uh, used improperly that that's what it can be, and it's, it's called the idiot plot. It's a plot that can only happen the way... It happens because one of the characters is a moron. But as you said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If the character would make a dumb decision, awesome. In fact, I think that that's great. One of the reasons that I thought the new Battlestar Galactica was so successful is because every character was flawed and every character made stupid decisions every now and then. And that made them seem much more real and much more human. 
Let me approach Even it, from, let me approach it from a different angle. You're asking the question because it sounds like you're not comfortable with the decision the character's making. You don't want to make the character be dumb when the character isn't dumb. Um, I would go back into, well, I, for NaNoWriMo, I wouldn't do a rewrite. I'd just forge ahead, <laughs> let him make the decision or let her make the decision as is. But consider on your rewrite withholding key information from that character so that the decision they make makes perfect sense given the facts that they had. Mm -hmm. That's a very wise choice to make. Also, if, if you want uh, that character to go ahead and, and make a decision that the reader can consider poor, give that character reasons to make a decision like that. It might be a bad decision, but they're very angry at the time, or they have some kind of emotional reason clouding their judgment. A bad decision could work perfectly. Accidentally took you know, too, too many diphenhydramine and... <laughs> I see you know Jeff then. <laughs> now the other, the other direction to approach this from is changing what that decision is. And you have to look very carefully at your plot and say, well, I thought it was going to be solved in this way, or I thought it was going to head in this direction, but that involves a stupid decision and I don't want to do that. So then you take a good hard look at it and say, well, is there a different way that this problem could be solved? that would allow this character to make a different decision. And you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say that for NaNoWriMo, turn off your internal editor and just keep writing. You go fix it in post. Mm -hmm. Just keep going. Unless you feel so bad about it that you absolutely can't proceed. In which case, <laughs> NaNoWriMo is here to teach you to proceed anyway. Yeah, exactly. There we uh, go. And, and forging ahead, honestly, is one of, the best re one of the best ways to find an alternate solution. Just go ahead and have the character make a smart decision and see where it takes you. Yeah. Doesn't work for everybody, but it might work for you. As I recall, we had another question from, uh, Heather. from over here. Heather, go ahead and ask your question for us. What, what would you recommend for specifically nano-novelers who are trying to get this crazy amount of words done um, when what, they're do what their main character is doing doesn't really fit with their main character? and they end up having to erase about 2,000 words. Yeah, I've run into that problem many times, and I've actually talked about this specific scene before where I had two characters talking on a bridge, and it was a wonderful conversation that did not progress the story and ended up taking the characters in a place they shouldn't have gone, and I had to ax it. But this being NaNoWriMo, you don't necessarily have to throw it all away. Howard, what do you suggest? Um, Two pieces of advice. One, yeah, by all means, keep writing. Just keep it, anything you can do to keep momentum, keep momentum. Second, expect to have to throw away words. Expect that once you've written 50,000 words and your story has a beginning and a middle and an end, you're going to go back and you're going to edit it and it's going to end up being 35,000 words long and <laughs> because because you did all the pruning that needed to be done. Those 2,000, I mean, that discussion, Dan, that, mm -hmm. you, that your characters had on the bridge, yeah. did you actually delete those words, or did you take that chapter and just oh, push I it off to the side? Totally saved it and reused it later. Okay, so those 2,000 words you've got, if it's fun dialogue, if it was interesting action, save it and use it in a different book, because November doesn't come once a century, it comes once a year. <laughs> there we go. There will be other Novembers. I almost said, because November doesn't just come once a year. <laughs> Wait a minute. Howard follows a very different calendar. Um, 
one of the important things to remember about NaNoWriMo is that, in truth, the goal is not to complete a novel. It is to complete a first draft. And your first draft does not have to be perfect. In fact, if you're pounding it out at this rate, it's not going to be perfect. And if you just accept that, and you're, you're happy. So you can keep that, knowing that later on, you're going to have to justify events differently, or you're going to have to cut that scene out. Um, but for the purposes of NaNoWriMo, yay, you got 2,000 words. Good for you. Don't, don't throw that away. It's, it's great, and keep going. I think it is time. I was going to say, speaking of cutting and speaking then keeping going, cutting. let's cut for a commercial, and then we can keep going. This week's episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Joining us as part of the NaNoWriMo group is Nathan Hale, who illustrated Shannon and Dean Hale's Rapunzel's Revenge, which was nominated for an Eisner. And uh, Nathan, you've been listening to some audiobooks lately. What have you liked? Uh, let's see. I just listened to uh, Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five, narrated by uh, washed-up 80s actor Ethan Hawke. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really good. You got to hear all the pronunciations of the... Uh, the religion in the book about uh, Graham Falloons and uh, what's the planet that they're on? I should know this. I just listened to it. Anyway, it's great. Fantastic. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for a free trial membership. And we're back. We're back. And we have a question from we do. Stephen. We do. And I'm going to slip off my microphone and hold it in front of Stephen here. Go ahead, Stephen. You're close enough. I'm writing the second book of a trilogy right now, and in my first book, um, I was able to introduce my characters and throw in a lot of character development, but it seems like in my second book, I'm just going straight from action scene to action scene to action scene without a lot of downtime. Is this a problem for the second book in a trilogy? What do you think, Dan? What do I think? Um, I think that being the second book of a trilogy is in some ways irrelevant to the point. Um, any book can have too much or too little action, regardless of where it falls in a series. Um, in this case, I, I, I guess the best answer is to say that if it works, it works. <laughs> if you feel like there's too much action, it's likely that your readers will feel the same thing. Um, if you feel like there are things being left out, then your readers are probably going to feel the same thing. If, on the other hand, you were thinking, this is so awesome and I can't stop typing because this is a really exciting, really thrilling book, then, ideally, your readers will feel that as well. Howard, what about you? Um, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question, uh, Stephen. The first book in the trilogy, was this your first book that you'd written? No, it was my second one. Your second, OK. Um, so what we're seeing here is an increase in 33% of your experience in writing. And that may be what has affected your pacing. It is entirely possible that the book you wrote first wasn't written as interestingly as the one that's being written now. I, I for one, love reading a book that goes from action to action to action without all that boring character development. And um, I, it, I'm just I'm, I'm yeah, throwing this yeah. out because as a new writer, you're going to discover aspects of your style while you write that the only way to discover them is to keep writing. You know, you've written, what, at this point, 150,000 words? How, how many words have you written total? Do you know? Between your first two books and this one? Uh, approximately 130,000 words right now. Okay, 130,000 130, words. 
Um, you're 10% of the way to your first real word, according to what's his name. <laughs> Whoever said who that. Who said, yeah, you have to write a million words. Mm -hmm. Jerk. Um, <laughs> the point is, this is fantastic. You've written 130,000 words. And I think that discovering that you're writing something that's more quickly paced than what you wrote first is going to be good for you. Finish it this way and move on. Way too many, in, in my estimation, anyway, way too many uh, second installments in trilogies are just a they're just a placeholder to get me to the third book. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what is it? Second book syndrome. Yeah, the second se movie second syndrome. Second one always tends to slow down a little. So if yours is speeding up, that could be a great sign. Uh, you know, there's also to consider that uh, it's entirely possible to have all of that character development in the action. And a great example of this is Joe Abercrombie. And his books are not non-stop action. They do have several slow scenes in them. Or I won't say slow scenes, but you know, slower paced than the fight scenes. But every one of his fight scenes is an opportunity to reveal and develop character. And in fact, that's where the characters tend to grow, is when they're halfway through you know, cutting some barbarian's head off. And so use <laughs> this fast pace and throw in all that character development. It's entirely possible to do both at the same time. Awesome. Well, let's see. Can we come up with another question before the we end of the cast? We have any more questions I think we've, from I think we've the got, audience. We've got room for, room oh, for one more. Oh, we have a more. question right there from a young man named? Nathan Hale. Hi, this is Nathan Hale. Um, I just want to know what you did, uh, Dan, with your NaNoWriMo books that you finished. My NaNoWriMo books that I've finished, I have them on my computer. And every now and then I look at them and go, wow. <laughs> I should really get back to that someday. Um, let's see. The first one I did for NaNoWriMo was the Saga of Crag, and it was about a barbarian. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like Crod Mandoon and the. Yeah, it was really ridiculous. It was uh, it was a really cool idea that I don't think I would have done if it had not been NaNoWriMo because it was very silly and very weird, um, and I would like to go back to it someday. I am glad, however, that I used that idea um, and actually saw it through. A lot of writers have a tendency, especially ones who've, who've uh, never written at all before, to think, oh, I, I want to save this idea for when I'm a better writer and use it then. And I personally don't agree with that philosophy. I think that getting that idea out on paper allowed me to see it more fully, see it in a different way. It made everything I've written since much better because I had more practice. And now I know next time I go back to revise that or more likely to just rewrite it from the beginning, it will be a much better book because of that. So that, that's kind of been my experience with NaNoWriMo is it's a great way to get these ideas out, look at them, do a first draft of an idea that you aren't sure is going to work any other way. So that is my answer to that question. <laughs> Well, we're uh, out of time, so you're out of excuses. Wait, we have a writing prompt. Oh, we need a writing prompt. You're right. We need a writing prompt. Writing prompt. OK. Your um, Should character. we ask the crowd for a writing Ooh. prompt? Anybody want to throw a writing prompt at our listeners? Have we done the traveling shovel yet? I have not heard about the traveling shovel. What's your name? Uh, Catherine. Catherine, give us a writing prompt that involves a traveling shovel. Uh, on the, the nano forums, I don't know if any of y'all have been there, but there's this sort of motif about the, the traveling shovel of death, and one of your characters gets killed with a shovel somehow. And you just have to work it into your story. 
Awesome. Okay. okay that's There's your writing, writing prompt. prompt. Kill somebody with a shovel. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Write about killing somebody with a shovel. You're yeah. out of excuses. Now, now go, go write. someone with a shovel. No. <laughs> if you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.